Illumination Thursday on Law and Gospel on this March the what? March the 3rd in the year of our Lord 2022. Should know that because yesterday was a Lenten and we were able to preach uh, to four congregations yesterday for a Lenten service. But with Tom Baker is my name. And guess who's on the line with me? Who is this? Uh, Wes Reimnitz. How you doing, Wes? I'm awake and I'm alive. How do you like this weather? It was 71 degrees here yesterday. Today is about 40. Wow, that is something. Well, we have a subject today. We don't often do this where we're not really sure of all the answers, but it's really kind of uh, interesting. What happened, the Roman Catholic Church has now announced that thousands of baptisms conducted by a Phoenix priest are deemed invalid by the Roman Catholic Church. And so... Why are they invalid? You would think maybe he used the wrong words. He didn't talk about baptism in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but he did. Or maybe he didn't use water. Maybe he used Pepsi-Cola, but he did not. (laughs) And so you're wondering, why would the Roman Catholic Church indicate so many baptisms they came to the conclusion were invalid. And what was the reason? Well, it was kind of interesting. He used the word rebaptize instead of the formula that they've they got in the Roman Catholic system. I, I baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said, we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it was it switched from... I to we that it caused uh, the upheaval, I guess, in in Roman Catholic system. And do they they gave the reason why it shouldn't be we? Do you recall what that was? Well, uh, the issue is is we not the community baptizes the person. It is Christ and Christ alone who, who baptizes. Uh, in reading several Roman Catholic documents, they said you know, when, when the priest does it, he's, he is doing it for Christ. But I, I don't hear him saying by the call or the authority of Jesus. He just says, I baptize. He views himself as Christ. Right. When you do baptisms, which formula do you use? Uh, I use one out of the Lutheran hymnal. <laughs> and what does this it is say? I say, I baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yes. What is that quoting from the Bible? Well, uh, it depends on how you look at it. Matthew chapter 28 says, Go ye therefore, making disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. doesn't say we, doesn't say I, doesn't say Christ. It says, 
in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And and you would wonder by using the word "we" makes the sacrament invalid. It's sometimes easier to understand the distinction between valid and effective. For a sacrament to be effective, which means it helps you in the faith, it needs first to be valid. Uh, For example, let's just take the Lord's Supper. In, In the Lord's Supper, it's pretty clear that you are to use bread and wine. I was affiliated with a a school, and the chaplain there wasn't Lutheran, of course. You know what he used? He used hot dog buns and Coca-Cola. <laughs> I've heard of potato chips and Coca-Cola or Kool-Aid. Yes, because they consider it to be a fellowship meal, not a sacrament. And so it's it's kind of like you go to McDonald's, and you sit down and eat with other people, you're having a fellowship meal, and it doesn't have to be wine or bread. It can be uh, French fries, uh, milkshake, whatever you want. And that's how they consider it. They don't believe it to be a sacrament. But the Roman Catholic Church does believe baptism and the Lord's Supper is a sacrament. And so therefore, they're saying that because he uses the word we, instead of I, all of his baptisms have been invalid. Now, what is our perception of that? Well, uh, we, we view that the, that the word and sacraments are um, with the church itself, and we give them to the pastor. Well, more more importantly, from from the Augsburg Confession, uh, the Lutheran Confessions, uh, we teach that no one should publicly teach in the church or administer the sacraments unless he is regularly called. So ordinarily, we we do it through the pastor, but, but it's it's something that God has given to the church to carry out. Yes, in in fact. I'm holding the Lutheran hymnal, that's the old one, three hymnals before this, and on the very last page, it has what's called a short form for holy baptism in cases of necessity. Now, this happened uh, to me a few times. Uh, I heard uh, one of my members was in the hospital. She had a baby, but the baby was near death. And so they had to actually helicopter the baby to another hospital that was able to maybe help the baby out. But before that happened, the father in the previous hospital baptized the child using the formula, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, right out of Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, 19, uh, and used the word I because he was talking about uh, taking it from the hymnal. But was that a valid baptism when a layman does it? You know, the command is go and make disciples. So a member of a congregation, I would would naturally assume, is a uh, disciple of Christ, is is a Christian, and therefore is empowered 
in these emergency situations to carry forward a baptism. Yes. Go ahead. It's the the use of the formula. You know, what I was able to read through um, several books and the scriptures themselves, it's a formula in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It is simple water connected with the Word. The power of baptism rests in, in the Word. That's an extremely important point, that it rests in the Word not in the water. You don't have to have water from the Jordan River, even though I did see a baptism where the pastor had brought water from the Jordan River. It wasn't necessary, but it was, you know, important to remember that Jesus also had been baptized in the Jordan River. Be that as it may, it was the word that makes all the difference. So we had a controversy in the church and I'd ask you to explain it a little bit. It's called the Donatist controversy. Uh, yes, where they they had uh, pastors who didn't believe what Christ had, had resurrected, or they didn't believe in the in, in the Word of God. So, did they conclude that all the baptisms were invalid then? No, because they had used the, the, the formula. They, it was still Trinitarian, and it was done in the name of, of, of the Word of God, that the power rests in the Word, not in the, the priest itself. This is really an important point. If we believe that a baptism is invalid if it's done by an unbeliever, then guess what? Nobody would know whether they had a valid baptism because they don't know whether or not the pastor at that time was a believer or an unbeliever. Well, I, I in, in studying this, I came across several things. First is the Trinitarian formula in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. But I also ran across where you have anti-Trinitarian baptisms where they use the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they're not accepted as as valid baptisms. And why is that? Why is that? Well, it would seem to me that they mean something entirely different than in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And and thus they're they're cults. They're 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 not of the Christian faith, so to speak. Well, here I'm going to give you an example that actually happened in the hospital. A man and a woman, husband and wife, they had a baby, and it was near death. Their doctor was Jewish. They asked him, would he be willing to baptize the baby right after it was born because they weren't sure it was going to live. And he did use the formula, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But he, of course, is an unbeliever. Was that a valid baptism? You raise an interesting question. But he was an anti-Trinitarian. It doesn't matter. What? It, It doesn't matter what he believed. They were asking their child to be baptized. The words were used, 
And if we have to decide now whether or not the person using the words was a believer or an unbeliever, nobody would be sure they ever were baptized properly or validly. To be baptized validly means you do it according to Christ's command. To be effective, it means you receive it in faith. And that woman who had the baby who was a Christian asked the Jewish doctor to say the words, and I don't see a problem in seeing that that was a valid baptism. Well, you, you, one of the key elements that you're talking about is, is the fact that the faith is there. Um, because, uh, for instance, a thief on the cross was not able to be baptized, but because he had faith and believed in, in, in Christ, he was uh, remembered to be in paradise with Jesus. Yes, that's a good example that Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. And that occurred on Good Friday, when at the death of Jesus and the death of the thief, both appeared in heaven in the spirit. We, we believe, teach, and confess that on Easter Sunday, it wasn't that Jesus himself rose from the dead, but his body rose from the dead to join with his spirit who was already in heaven. And we know that that's true because what's one of the words that Jesus says at the end of his crucifixion? Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Exactly. So he himself says that. And remember one of the first martyrs was Stephen. And he said mm. similar items. So we've got another question that's going to be interesting. Uh, you and I do not believe that women can be pastors. They may think they're a pastor, but what counts from our point of view is whether God considers them to be pastors. So their name may be up on a board outside their church or whatever. They may call themselves pastors, but they really are not. Are their baptisms valid? There, there you're if you're using the Word of God, the formula in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and it's Trinitarian in nature, it is still a valid baptism because the power rests in the Word and, and the water and not in the per person. Excellent, excellent point. That's exactly what we're doing. And so even though I think it's a tragedy that women pretend to be pastors, it doesn't mean that occasionally they may say something that is according to God's word, maybe about his crucifixion, his resurrection, or when they do baptism in the Lord's Supper. I, I think it's wrong for them as a pastor to do those things, but I would put it in the category of what we have in our hymnal, uh, the old hymnal, which is entitled the short form for holy baptism in cases of necessity. And it says this specifically on this page. In urgent cases, in the absence of the pastor, any Christian may administer holy baptism. Take water, call the child by name, pour or sprinkle the water on the head of the child saying, I baptize thee in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. 
Now, the idea that this priest was saying, we baptize, I think you made a, a good point that the office of the keys is given to the church, and in public worship, they assign their specific pastor to do the sacraments, to preach the word of God, and to baptize infants and give the Lord's Supper. But if you're in a congregation that doesn't believe the words of the Lord's Supper, then those people are not receiving the Lord's Supper. In fact, if you go to 1 Corinthians 11, because of their unfaith, they're actually getting sick, and some of them are dying. What do you do with the, with the baptism? Like, there's a church that I know of that uh, believes that Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins, but it's only only the beginning. Now you can work your way to heaven because of that. The, the cross is the beginning of the journey towards uh, towards good works. So is that an anti-Trinitarian? It's a congregation that doesn't understand why the crucifixion took place and the resurrection. I would put that particular congregation equal to those two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Remember, they're mm -hmm. walking with Jesus, and they say, you haven't heard what happened in Jerusalem, you know, about this man Jesus who was crucified, he was died, and now we hear that he's risen from the dead. But they were totally clueless about the true meaning of the crucifixion. Would you consider them, had they died that day before Jesus revealed himself to them, would they go to heaven or hell? I would still say they went to heaven. Yes, I, I would also, because they were confused about the importance, and that's what Jesus did. He went through the Old Testament and gave them the reason why the crucifixion was necessary for the salvation of human beings and why he rose from the dead for our justification. And that's how they came to a greater understanding. I don't think they were unbelievers who came to faith. Remember, Peter even said, no, no, there's no way you're going to Jerusalem and be killed. You know, we'll take care of that. But at that point, are we going to say that Peter was an unbeliever? Had he died at that time, he would not go to heaven? No. Mm -hmm. He still believed in Jesus, but, boy, there, there was still a lot to learn, which he learned through the power of the Holy Spirit and began to teach others. So I would, you know, be careful when you say that a baptism is invalid because a priest said, we baptize you. Uh, that's, in, in fact, you made a good point. There's nowhere where there's a formula that says, I baptize you. Matthew 28 is very clear that we are to baptize people. And, um, I believe it was, yes, President Bowman, when he was doing a sermon at the seminary once, he made a point that the original Greek isn't I baptize you in the name of the Father, 
but I baptize you into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you can still say, we baptize you, and still hold to the fact that it's Jesus who is really doing the baptism, even though you use the word we, because we are now the voice and hands of Jesus. You know, you make an excellent point when you talk about into. It carries a much deeper meaning, because as you read through, especially uh, the Pauline epistles, Romans, Galatians, uh, Ephesians, Corinthians, for instance, they all talk about being baptized into the death of Christ and raised to a new life. And it's and often the Greek there is talking into, just as you mentioned. Yes. In fact, you can't get a better passage about baptism than Romans chapter 6, because it really explains why baptism is important. It's as though we also were on the cross with Jesus. And it says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And and so Paul is making a point that baptism is for the Holy Christian Church. And yes, it's the work of Jesus Christ, but it's kind of a lot like another sacrament that we have at the beginning of the service. And and what's that sacrament? Mm -hmm. Uh, Confession and absolution. And explain how absolution is also the work of Jesus Christ. Well, when the pastor announces forgiveness of sins, he says, I, as a called and ordained servant of the Lord, announce unto you the, the, the grace of God. And in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all our sins. So it's in the stead and by the command of Jesus or the authority given by Jesus to forgive sins. So it's Jesus that's forgiving the sins. So I think the point you're making and I'm making is that if the congregation uses the appropriate words and understands baptism uh, properly, it becomes a valid sacrament, just like in the Lord's Supper. If you don't understand the words and you have a different feeling about what the Lord's Supper is, then you're not really receiving the body and blood of Christ, but you're receiving false teaching and it's an invalid supper, which means it can't help you because it needs to be a a valid supper using the proper ingredients that God so commands, as well as having faith to receive that body and blood of Christ. In other words, let's say a person's been in the church for years, but they're really an unbeliever. In Lutheran theology, if they come and take what's the Lord's Supper, are they really receiving the Lord's Supper because they're unbelievers, or are they not? 
Well, if they're if they're taking communion, it is still it is still uh, the body and blood of Christ because of the word, not because of their faith or lack of faith. Excellent point. That's exactly correct. That if it is a valid sacrament done according to Christ's command, then even an unbeliever can receive it, but it's going to be to their negative consequences. That's why recently I was asked by some people in the congregation visiting if they were permitted to take the Lord's Supper, and I told them no because they had not yet been confirmed, and I explained that meant that they didn't understand and hadn't been taught the meaning, but if they would come to adult instruction, they would learn the proper meaning, make up their own decision as to whether or not they agree with it. I said, I'm not the one who's going to tell you you can commune. You're the one who's going to make that decision on the basis of when you hear what we believe about the Lord's Please. Supper. And not uh, and well said, but uh, I, during this time of, of Lent, we also are reminded of the baptism of Jesus, where he, there he took upon the sins of all mankind. And as we are baptized into Christ, we are baptized in, in the one who's taken and given to us our, our glorious uh, robe of righteousness. That's a good example, because did John the baptizer believe that Jesus needed to be baptized with the baptism of repentance? Right. No, he, he, no, he didn't. He, yeah. Yet he still did it, and it was a valid baptism as Jesus took upon himself our sin at that baptism. So even John the baptizer wasn't sure, but because he was following the word of God, it became sure. Thanks very much, Wes, for helping out with this interesting, a lot of questions still remain. Uh, if you have questions, you can email me at lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com, and we may even address this a little bit tomorrow on Open Email Friday. I'm Tom Baker, Wes Reimnitz. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your checkout to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.